Hello and welcome to MLW Confusion. I'm your host, Rob Kammer, and I am bringing you into the new Centennia. That's right, this is episode 100 of MLW Fusion, and I will bring you its doings and happenings, because I can't think of trendy things to say when I'm bringing you the news. Anyway, for this special edition of MLW Fusion, we get a hot opening, which means we just go straight to the intro, or so we're led to believe, because Contra decides that they need to interrupt our opening broadcast to put down Seema. Uh, Jacob Fatu specifically is cutting a promo referencing his match tonight for the MLW World Heavyweight title against Seema, and he threatens to bury Seema before going back into the introduction package. Uh, the rest of the intro goes by without incident. Today we are starting off our show with Eric Stevens versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Uh, Stevens comes out with Tom Lawler, uh, who's going to be doing commentary, and some homeless-looking gentleman who I am later told it is Kit Osborne, who I have no clue who that is or why I should care about him. Maybe between now and next week, I will actually bother to do some research and see who this guy is. Um, though I'm aware of a handful of Osbournes in the wrestling world, unfortunately none of them happen to be Aussie. Anyway, uh, Stevens and Davey Boy Smith uh, have a pretty solid back-and-forth affair, uh, weighing weighing heavily on the strikes and submission-based stuff, which is, well, kind of the strong suit of both the individuals involved in the match. Um, at times leaning towards some strong stylings, but not quite so much, really kind of focusing on the ground and pound and or elbow to the face, whichever they prefer in the moment. Uh, both of them getting their heat in. Uh, move of the night or at least move of the match, but I'm going to just go ahead and call it move of the night, is uh, with Bulldog Jr. getting Stevens up for a 40-second uh, long vertical suplex before taking him down to the mat. Um, this is quite cool, most of the time anyway. Uh, the crowd is chanting along, which is one of the main reasons I know it's 40 seconds, um, because according to the crowd clock, they count it to 40. Anyway... Long story short, Davey Boy Smith Jr. gets the win via a diving headbutt, which Tom Lawler on commentary wants to note that it's illegal, even though he has no precedent, at least in MLW, to say that. I'm just going to assume he got confused and thought it was 1992 WCW uh, when Bill Watts took over. But I have no way of knowing this, um... I can, I'm also just going to take this opportunity to assume that Tom Lawler is a time traveler. I have no basis for that either. Anyway, we get a brief, constant, a brief little confrontation between Davey Boy Smith and Tom Lawler uh, after the match before uh, Dominique Guarini decides to uh, step in between and look douchey and smug. I'm mildly impressed Davey Boy reframed from smacking Dominique because I totally pump-kicked him in the face in my head anyway. But it goes by without incident, allowing Davey Boy to wander away, and then Team Filthy gets to wander away too. Um, I think Stevens was muttering about how he thinks he won after the match, uh, but of course he would think that because he was unconscious. 
Up next, we are informed that Injustice has been barred from the building um, because of their previous attacks on Brian Pillman uh, throughout the last like month or two or you know, so something like that. Anyway, we cut to footage uh, to out uh, to Injustice outside the arena, uh, being blocked by security. I assume the real reason they're not being let in is because they ha- they were not accompanied by an adult. So maybe next week, if they bring one of their parents with them, they'll get to come in. Following that, we have a promo from Jimmy Havoc. He's noted that he gets told quite a bit that he's addicted to pain. Uh, he does make reference to drugs and alcohol, and I'm kind of surprised giving some of the uh, more recent events that are happening, uh, or that have happened, uh, that he doesn't that his friends don't tell him about the drugs and alcohol because the news sources are telling him about the drugs and alcohol. But anyway, important thing is he's addicted to pain. He's addicted to f- inflicting it. And he's addicting, addicted to uh, feeling it, uh, though he would much rather inflict it than receive it. But it doesn't matter to him much. And that what he does to Brian Pillman tonight is nothing personal. It's just business and pleasure. Next, we cut away to Loki, uh, walking around, looks like an airport-type area. Uh, He notes that people are calling themselves the king of the knockouts, and he is looking forward to prove why he is the true king of knockouts. Assuming he's referring to King Mo, who um, really hasn't proven to be much of a knockout artist, for the most part, in MLW. But, you know, whatever. He's got king in his name, and he used to fight MMA. So why not? Let's just go with it. Up next, we get a promo from L.A. Park. Uh, He notes his kind of status as legend across the world, and he's taking this opportunity to let everyone know that he is a free agent and his own boss. Um, This is slightly different as, you know, he's always been, company-wise, been a free agent. And by always, I mean, of course, you know, the last you know, couple of years or so, he's been freely allowed to wander promotions. Um, but now he's finally free from promotion, uh, promotion, uh, Dorada, um, the state uh, stable. Um, so he's kind of his own man now flying solo around the world, uh, without anyone giving his back. Well, except probably his son. I assume his son has his back, but he's not following orders from anyone. Next, back to in-ring action, where we finally get Jimmy Havoc versus Brian Pillman Jr. Havoc is being accompanied by his on-screen girlfriend creature, Priscilla Kelly. Um, And the two have a very solid back-and-forth match. A little bit more shtick compared to the previous match, uh, where we have uh, Havoc getting kind of all of his little spots in being a sadistic little bastard and whatnot, doing his bites and his eye pokes and all that sort of good stuff to Pillman and Pillman just fighting back, fighting through it all. Um, Highlight of the match, though, really, um, Havoc uh, pulls out a chain and while the referee is distracted by Priscilla Kelly, Havoc punches himself in the face, tosses the chain to Pillman and then drops, uh, drops to the ground, acting like, Pillman did it. Um, it's in the old Eddie Guerrero trick, except he used to do it with a chair. He'd smack the chair on the ground, toss it to his opponent, and then just 
act unconscious or hold his face and whatnot. And usually it would either lead to like a situation where Eddie could get a roll up or Eddie could win by DQ. Um, unfortunately, this time, though, uh, the referee kind of saw through the uh, shtick, confronted Havoc, who then proceeds to argue with the referee, allowing Pillman to get a quick roll-up. Not for the finish, though. Uh, we get some more shtick involving Pr- uh, Priscilla Kelly trying to help out um, attacking Pillman, um, but failing and usually colliding or doing various moves to Havoc instead. And uh, commentary is quick to note out that despite her interference, since she's doing everything to the person she's managing, it's not a DQ, whereas if she'd touch Pillman, it would result in a disqualification. Uh, eventually, Pillman ends up dumping Kelly outside the ring via low bridge on the ropes uh, before hitting Air Pillman, uh, his father's finisher, on Havoc for the quick win. Um, quick in terms of like, wow, this happened really fast and out of nowhere. Um, match went an acceptable length of time. Post-match, uh, Pillman gets an interview with Alicia Toot, uh, praising the fans, uh, and expressing his desire to cut weight uh, and join the middleweight division, uh, specifically eyeing uh, the middleweight championship, which is being held by Myron Reed of Injustice, at least at this moment. We also find out that next week, uh, Reed will be defending a title against the Laredo Kid, who, uh, had a, who has a moral victory over Reed. Uh, following a match with Injustice uh, last last week or the week before, um, because my mem- my short term memory is absolute poop. Anyway, following that, we get some more Injustice outside the arena. Um, pretty much the same kind of thing that was going on before it involves them yelling, um, mostly about Brian Pillman blaming Pillman for them not being able to get into the arena, obviously forgetting that none of them are over the age of 18 and they need at least one adult with them. Um, and it, this is mostly notable uh, for the fact that uh, Jordan Oliver has been threatening to stab Brian Pillman, uh, repeatedly shouting, I'm going to stab you, Pillman. Wonder what his intentions are. Anyway, on to things more entertaining. We get another edition of Lifestyles and the Rich of Dynastic. Uh, Richard Holiday notes that they've been touring the Caribbean, the good part of the Caribbean, by the way, not, you know, the third world part. Um, Gino has been dancing with the ladies. The Meat Castle, Alex Hammerstone's been hitting up the pharmacy um, and just checking out the finer parts of the islands, you know, bringing some prestige to the Caribbean title that Halliday has stolen from Savio Vega. Um, and now, because Holiday holds it, it is now the 1A championship of MLW, uh, with Hammerstone's openweight title being the, obviously, being the number one championship in the company. Uh, they also take a brief opportunity to start talking trash about Mance Warner, who Gino Medina will be facing next week, uh, really implying that, you know, old Mancer's dirty, which... I'm pretty sure Old Mancer will tell you that he's dirty. So I'm not entirely sure if that's an insult or not. But anyway, lots of Purell will be used. Kind of moving on to that, we get to see Old Mancer himself with Alicia Atute. Uh, This week is notable because they censored the word shit. uh, And they hadn't been doing that in the past. Um, Evidently, Jordan Oliver has been using the word too much. And they met their quota for the year already. Um... So, anyway, we got some beeping going on. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, Mansur gets, uh, uses a bright little metaphor about bleep kickers, which what he happens to wear. And, you know, after a round of drinking, you have this tendency to step in bleep. So, Gino, you're bleep. And this is what he does to bleep. Shows him, like, scraping his boot off on the floor. Um, but he's going to kick Gino's ass. That's the important thing. And he also wants to note that the Moon Man is doing better. Uh, Mansur's uncle, who was attacked by the Dynasty a few weeks ago, is doing better. Got himself a jar of moonshine. Um, they're not entirely sure how he's standing after drinking the amount of moonshine he's drunk because he's kind of chugging it during the promo. We get another jump cut. We get the approximate same Joseph Samael promo that we tend to get every time he talks about Contra having sleeper units all over the world. Um, evidently, they're hiding in the uh, the uh, editing truck because we get a lot of like random cuts to uh, the word Contra and their little imagery, military imagery throughout the show. Um, usually we get it once or twice, but it's really noticeable this episode. Uh, so I guess most of the sleeper units happen to do video editing. So good on them. I mean, everyone needs a side hustle. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Give me money. This, of course leads us to our main event, where MLW heavyweight champion Jacob Fatu takes on Seema of the Stronghearts. Seema uh, tries to outsmart Fatu early on in the match, uh, doing a lot of little shtick involving him running around and dodging Fatu, then pointing to his head. Eventually, though, uh, the power game is too much for Seema, and Fatu takes over for quite a bit before botching uh, Vader bomb. And by botching, I mean Seema blatantly rolled out of the way. So it wasn't so much as a botch as, you know, good counter-wrestling. Huzzah! Ah, yeah. Wrestling. Uh, which allows Seema to take control for a little bit, um, before they have their strong-style standoff in the middle. At which point, it becomes fairly, uh, fairly noticeable that there's just, like, one guy in the crowd who wants to body shame Fatu and just keeps screaming variations of fatty and like, Hey fatty, whenever, you know, he gets an opportunity to, you know, take Fatu down a notch. Uh, I'm, I'm certain that Fatu go is going home to cry tonight because somebody called him fat. But anyway, uh, Fatu eventually overcomes his own failure to hit a Vader bomb uh, to pick up the victory with a pair of moonsaults. Um, after the match, we get the uh, Sendai Death Squad out with a stretcher and a body bag. Uh, looks like, uh, well, looks like Contra's actually going to follow through with their threat to bury Sima. They place him in the body bag and carry him out. I assume to never be seen again. And that... That is our 100th episode of MLW Fusion. Uh, pretty solid showing. Um, I, have very, uh, I think a very solid show. Uh, any wrestling fan who watches it won't be disappointed. Though the jaded person in me who likes big celebrations, I feel like 100 episodes is kind of a big deal. Especially in this day and age where everything's consumed rather quickly. And television shows don't always last terribly long, especially a show that lasts 
all year and really doesn't get a break. Uh, looking at most of your professional wrestling programs, don't get an off season and run 52 weeks a year. Maybe if they're smaller, they can get away with doing like a clip show once or twice. Um, so this is kind of a big deal that Fusion's been on for 100 episodes, so nearly two years straight, at least in the current iteration. And whereas we did get a world title match, it did kind of seem just like a normal episode. I'm not certain I'd want to say like it needs to go two, it needed to go two hours and have some more matches or some clip, you know, throw in a best of here. But I feel like, you know, we're at 100. We should kind of go balls to the wall and have a bit more excitement, uh, start some new angles. I don't know, have a big gimmick match, maybe, you know, just celebrate the fact I mean, I, I get it. To, in today's day and age, I mean, we got to spread things out. And MLW does have pay-per-view events, so you don't want to give too much away for free. But, you know, they did kind of reference it last week. And a little bit during the episode, you know. that Hey, we made it to 100. Go team. And, you know, I echo it. Go team. That's a great accomplishment. But, you know, if we're going to tout this accomplishment, we should celebrate a little bit. Let's have a cage match or something. I don't know. Just my thought. I mean, again, it's a very solid episode. I am not disappointed with it. It's just when you scream 100 episodes, I don't think of standard episode of a decent wrestling program. Uh, again, just my opinion. Um, but otherwise, you know, solid accident. I mean, all three matches were good. Each each of the three matches brought something slightly different to the table. Um, and again, you know, it uh, shows why MLW's, you know, the number, I don't know, number five promotion in America. I mean, that's all also subjective, but let's just go with that number. Number five company in America. Give it to them. Go number five. Cheers. Anyway, while you're busy cheering the number five promotion in America with their 100th episode, I'm going to leave you with the per usual plugs and whatnot. Um, so check, you know, continue listening for those. Try to keep supporting me. Anyway, so while you're cheering and supporting me, I'm going to take my leave and I'll catch you all next week and hopefully catch MLW Fusion 101. Anyway, I'm Rob Kammer and this is MLW Confusion. Hey, I know the show's technically over, and I appreciate you guys listening to the very, very end. So I figured, you know, we should use this time to get some cheap plugs out of the way. Um, if you're really interested in me, you can check me out on social media. I'm on the Twitter machine, at the Nova of Cass. You can also check me out on Instagram, though I'm not nearly as active on that. Not that I'm active on Twitter terribly much either way. Um, you can, But you can catch me on the Instagram, also at the Nova of Cass. Those are my two big things, uh, at least on regular social media. Um, I also, if you really like the show or you would really like me to buy things to make the show sound better, uh, feel free to follow and become a Patreon backer at patreon.com slash Casanova, C-A-S-S-O-N-O-V-A. And of course, I'll have all this stuff written down in the blurbs at the bottom of the podcast and whatnot. Um, but my Patreon starts at $1 a month. You get the podcast two days early, plus whatever goodies I happen to throw your way, whether it's stuff from the past, uh, previous podcasts, some art projects, some things that have gone on to YouTube. Um, of course, you guys get those first two. Um, but again, tears start at the dollar and go up to like some crazy amount of money that no one should actually pay me 
to do, um, but every little bit helps. I appreciate it. Um, and you can get some cheap plugs at the end of the show as well, just like Maverick45, Danielle Clark, and Alan Schroeder. So thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank, uh, thank you, my backers. Thank you, all my listeners. Good night, everybody. <laughs>